This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Shut up and sit down. Adam here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. On this week's episode, we feature Ben Freed and Adam Engweiler from Death by Archery. If you haven't heard of Death by Archery, these guys are super passionate bow hunters who started a bow hunting brand with a very distinctive logo, uh, one that you're definitely going to want on your gear once you see it. On the episode, we discussed their recent trip hog hunting with Holy Southern Outdoors down in Georgia as well as black bear hunting in Minnesota. These are some really great guys with some really awesome stories to tell, so sit back and enjoy the episode. As always, be sure to check out our affiliates, Bowhunter Box Club. Bowhunter Box Club is the only subscription box that offers high-quality, useful products, specifically for bowhunters, delivered monthly right to your door. $45 per month gets you a minimum of $60 to $70 worth of value in useful gear. Also check out our friends over at Serviceside, who offer hunting gear and hunting lifestyle apparel for the avid outdoorsmen. They can also be found on YouTube by searching Deer Slayer TV for hunting videos, tips, and gear reviews. Also remember to use the code CHRONICLES at any of our affiliates to save 10% on your purchases. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't done so already, please, please, please leave us a review down there at the bottom on whatever platform it is that you're listening to. This will allow us to reach more people and to provide better content for you. If there's anything that you want to hear about on the podcast, anyone you'd like us to talk to, any gear that you would like reviewed, uh, please don't hesitate to send us an email at bowhunterchroniclespodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook or Instagram, and we'll be more than happy to do the best we can to provide the best content possible. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the episode. Adam and John here again with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And today, for the first time in the studio, we have our very first guest that's not uh, related to us, I guess. 
right? So we've got uh, Ben Freed and uh, Adam Ingweiler from Death by Archery. So how you doing tonight, guys? Good. Doing great. Good to be here. So um, if you haven't heard of uh, Death by Archery, I think that they've got probably one of the coolest logos as far as um, archery-related things are concerned. I think I've said that before on the podcast. I mean, when you see it, there's no denying like what what it is or what it stands for. Um, so who's the, the brains behind behind that, guys? That was me. Yeah, and you are? Uh, ben. Okay, so... All right, so tell us about that. I mean, we're we're passionate about bow hunting, so we ended up saying, "All right, well, who cares what anybody else thinks? We're going to do a podcast. We're going to start talking out our asses about <laughs> bow hunting." Right? <laughs> I was absolutely the same way. Um, since I was a young man, a teenager, I always thought it would be cool to be in a bow hunting world, so to speak. And uh, my parents owned a sign business, a graphic business, so. I was able to design something that would have the look that I wanted. And uh, when I started reaching about 40 years old, I thought it was time to get it done, you know? Yeah. So so what happened in between that time? I mean, did you grow up in the, in the like, did you grow up like John did bow hunting, like from the time that you, you, you started, you know, that you could hunt? Or was it something that kind of progressed? It's kind of weird. Uh, my family does not hunt. Really? No, my sisters um, had a couple boyfriends that hunted, and they're 10 years older than me, and they kind of turned me on to it, and I loved it. I mean, back then, they, when I was like 10 years old, there wasn't much tree stand hunting, you know, makeshift climbers, and uh, hunted off five-gallon buckets and all that, and they would take me along, and I loved it, loved every minute of it. And so then did you... Did your so did your family not hunt at all, or was it just rifle hunting? Or they, I mean, my parents um, do not hunt at all. Okay. My, I got two brothers; they do not hunt at all. My sisters and my brother-in-laws, and uh, they're the ones that got me into it, pretty much. But I couldn't give it up. Okay. <laughs> and what what's the time frame on that? So I mean, I guess what was the equipment like? You said makeshift climbers and things like that. So what was your first bow? My first bow was a. Uh, a PSC, Phaser 2, I think it was called or something. It was pretty janky. <laughs> <laughs> Had a little uh, flipper rest on it. We'd shoot oh. at paper plates. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think everybody started there. on one of those. <laughs> yeah. I had a recurve, too, at one time. My brother-in-law loaned to me, but I don't remember what the name of it was. So from, from that early age, you decided that like this is what you wanted to do, and it just kind of – did it just go from sketching to, to – just kind of the same logo kind of stuck with you the yeah, whole time? or for, Yeah, pretty much forever. Okay, so it's, it's it, when you see it, it's 40 years in the making. So. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yep. Nice. And so what is the, um, the, I mean, yeah, I said it's a design, but what is it that you guys have? What, what is it that you offer or whatever? Uh, we're putting the logo on apparel, you know, hats, shirts, um, arrow wraps. We're hoping to get it on like bow cases and. And, and grow, you know, as a business. And yeah, I've got a real nice uh, big sticker on my cooler. Like I told my uh, brother-in-law, Chris, he, I think he worked with you yes. or something. Yep, so he, he just kept talking about the death by, death by, death by, death by. And I was yeah. like, all right, I got I to gotta see this. And then he's like, he started showing up with these stickers and all this stuff. So I was like, yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be for me. And then, so how did, how does Adam uh, fit into all this? Well, Adam, I've known all my life, and his uh, 
dad owned angler archer and i just looked up to him as a hunter because i was kind of mostly self-taught you know and uh i hung out with him and steve ranella for the guy that runs meat eater there and uh i just looked up to the guys that they had a little more experience than i did you know so i kind of learned from them to get better at what i like to do and so adam at that time were you guys um i guess did you embrace this newcomer to your art of hunting or were you like oh this guy ben bring him along he's a ride he doesn't know anything yeah well like ben (laughs) said you know (laughs) we were really good friends all through high school and uh we actually roommates there when we first both got out on our own and you know my uh, he said you know his hat's off to me my my hat's off to him because i i I said wow ben doesn't have anybody in his family um that was really hunting and uh the stuff that he did and the way that he hunted and things that he learned i mean hunting my whole life and have a bow in my hand when i was three years old um probably spoiled in that regard because my dad owned in the sporting goods store um you know, every Christmas we knew what we were getting. If I wanted a new bow, I got a new bow. If I ran out of arrows or put them all in trees and, you know, dad bring me new, new arrows. So, um, but he was a real easy one to bring on cause he had such that love of, of hunting. He was hooked, you know, just like I was. And, you know, with me growing up and learning everything that I did from my dad, um, right from the ground zero. I mean, I remember going with him when I was four or five, six years old and, um, just having a blast with that. And so when Ben and I connected and he was really getting into the, to his bow hunting, I mean, we were side by side and, you know, I would take him out on, you know, deer drives and Hesperia and Baldwin. And, you know, we just, we'd have a blast. We'd start shooting, we're shooting off the top of his trailer, you know, that we were living in. So, you know, in the dirt out there. And <laughs> so it was exciting for me when he, when he started this too, I had heard about it, you know, and we, we had started talking and, I guess Ben tells me, you know, hindsight, he, you know, he always had me in mind to go with it too, um, because of my love for hunting, you know, and he, I have a little bit of a knack more of in, in the spotlight, I guess, than him. And I don't know why, because, you know, public speaking isn't something that I really love to do either, but, um, we, we we're really starting to be able to do some hunts together. And, uh, this death by archery thing for me, it puts you into, you know, the, the the atmosphere with these types of things right people that love to bow hunt people that love the passion we both have young kids that maybe we'll get into but for me now it's it's and now i understand why my father loved it so much with me and my brothers uh hunting um my daughter my son i that's that's just it makes my hair stand up thinking about the times i've had with them and the experiences we've had um and 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 passing it on to them but here again, I have Ben that didn't have that passed on to him, but he still has that fire. Um, so that's that's neat. Yeah, I think, I mean, I can see both sides of that because, like, um, on one hand, you know, I, I grew up hunting, obviously, um, but not in the same way. So, like, once I got introduced to, you know, John's family, basically, um, it ended up, for me, kind of taking it to that whole nother level of, like, man, I didn't even know that, these types of things existed what is a third axis what's all what's all that but then i see the other you know so so for like what what you're talking about ben for me is like we were talking about before the podcast like john and i would just sit down and have conversations about hunting and it's like you know it's it doesn't it doesn't 
necessarily allow me to be like, oh, I'm in the hunting industry or like whatever. But it, it gets you talking to the people that you want to talk to about the things that you're interested in and not just, I mean, I guess in this case it is even people here in your own hometown, but you know, everywhere there's people that share these same experiences and have input on a lot of the things. And then like with you, Adam, what you're saying is that you're kind of like John to me, because it's like, this guy knows everything there is. About. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> well, I wish. Always learning. Well, yeah, there's always something new. He knows. He knows that all of these things exist. I guess is a better way of putting yeah. it. And so for me, it just—it's like I could just sit down and talk, or I guess I could just sit down and listen. But for me to talk, I was always the guy that people would come up to just because I have that sort of personality and say, "Well, you hunt a lot. Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that?" Right. And I think that's probably why you have taken to it so much because it's like you've been doing it your whole life and you don't even have to think about it. It's right. just, it's just what you've been doing. It's a passion. Right. And then it's a community basically now. Right, I mean, exactly. with everyone that's in it, like we just went to the BHA over there and it's like all like-minded, you know, people. Yes. Well, yeah, you didn't even have to, you know, when you're in that atmosphere, you don't have to say like, Oh, so what are you here for? Or like, what brings you here? It's like, Oh, where do you hunt? Oh, you do this. Oh, I do that. You know, et cetera, et cetera. And then it, it puts you in that position to make those like lasting friendships or, or whatever that kind of carry Absolutely. you through. And like for me, and I would imagine that for you guys too, it's kind of like a creative outlet because everybody has their job. Everybody has things that they have to do. And then it's like, what are you doing for yourself? Or like, what are you doing? You know, like, right. You could be the most selfish hunter in the world and you could, that's what you could totally focus on. You could be so wrapped up in your own head but then you wouldn't share those experiences with your family or your 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 kids or or whatever. You'd be so like laser focused. And so f- for me, it's like, man, I'm share it with the world. I don't care. Let's just talk about <laughs> Let's it. Let's just talk about right. it. If you don't like it, then don't listen. I don't care. <laughs> but, uh, but so kind of getting back to like, so what was your first harvest? Like, was it with a bow or was it with a, a rifle or? My first harvest was probably with a BB gun. <laughs> uh, we did a lot of chipmunk hunting uh, with the with uh, BB guns and slingshots, and and those were all within the regulations of hunting seasons. You know? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> nuisance kills. Wow. Well, I think you can shoot chipmunks and groundhogs year round, can't you? Well, I'm not a CO, I'm not gonna. I'm not yeah, that was a long time that. ago. I hope yeah. they don't. That was back. all legal back then. <laughs> I remember shooting uh, flying squirrels out of the cabin door up north. Oh, that's terrible! <laughs> I did that too. <laughs> they, I remember we had we we always fed the deer out out in front of the cabin. They just come in at night. Well, we'd bring up uh, bags of shelled corn and we'd set it right in front of the door. Get back one night and the, the bags all tore up. Like what the hell's getting into? So we're sitting there and all of a sudden you see these things come through the light by the front door. Look out there, and they're flying squirrels. They oh. come out of the trees and land, and they're sitting there. So we open up the door, turn out the lights. And I remember we had a bunch of old Rocky Mountain broadheads and stuff. And we oh, just yeah. sit there, and they fly in, and we shoot them with our bows. With the bow. Cut That's them right awesome. in half. But I'm sure that. I remember those Rocky Mountains. <laughs> satellites, my, satellites. My dad, that's his go-to. If, if they still made those inch-and-a-half four-blade Blue Rocky Mountains, he'd buy every single one of everybody, them. Everybody, that was our old you school. Everybody was shooting them. to fly them straight. Yeah, yeah but that was – and I, my dad, I I love my dad to death, and I think 
from the time that I started hunting with Frank, and I think I think probably um, it was probably twofold. I think that he saw me getting passionate about bow hunting, and it was something that we could do. You know that I wanted to do more because I mean, from the time I was twelve years old, from the first hunting season, I mean, we were out with a bow, but prior to that time, whether I was paying attention or not, um, I can only think of like two or three deer that my dad killed with a bow. And now I can't think of like years that go by that where my dad either doesn't kill a deer with a bow or just passes on, on deer. And it's just changed, but I can remember very vividly him shooting this doe in the right straight down, right between the shoulder blades with one of those Rocky mountains. And I think that might've been what sealed the deal for him. Cause it was like, Oh yeah. Those, story. Are, those are the broad heads for me. Cause it just laid right there at the base of the tree. I mean, his climber was right over top of the deer when we went to get it. There was oh, yeah. no, I remember no, my dad, my dad used to shoot. I think they were called Savoras. Yeah. Those. Yeah. They, oh, like, yeah. they look like the razor blade that yeah, I yeah. Remember those. he had to shoot those because of the clearance on the risers. Because oh. he made those, he had that homemade overdraw. And oh, back yeah. then they didn't have the center shot riser, so you had you had that clearance. Dangerous. One little one, <laughs> one little torque of the wrist, and uh, your uh, broadhead's hitting the riser. So oh yeah. Went. Well, I think I don't know. If Frank told that story on the podcast or not, but Frank tells that story where he missed a deer like two or three times in the same day. Got down, got home, couldn't figure out what was going on, and looked at his riser. There was nicks in his riser, and figured out he torqued his wrist just a little bit, and wow, skipping the arrows right off the riser. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, that's a that's a real thing. So, what was your first bow kill then, Ben? It was uh, a doe. No, it was it was a six point actually. And so, how many years into your? Jeez. I would get so excited bow hunting when I'd seen a deer I couldn't even pull my bow back. <laughs> When I was young, <laughs> uh, I remember one time being my dad didn't hunt or nothing, you know, I was, I didn't really have even hunting clothes and he gave me these zip up boots. He's like, oh, these will keep your feet warm, you know, and I walked back to Cedar Creek and this eight point come in. It was only a basket, but to me it was like, it was huge, right? And I was shaking so bad, the zippers on the on those boots were going, and I got busted. I got busted several times. I could hit. I mean, I was a good shot, but I couldn't hit a deer. I was about 15 years old, I think, before I finally got my first kill with a ball. Who are you talking to? It took me till I was like 23 or something like that. It was like it was like a lifetime. And it wasn't that I was thinking about it the other day. It wasn't that I didn't have opportunities. It was like every single time, like I loosed an arrow because it was like either like before rangefinders or I just didn't have one. Like I shot underneath them, I shot over top of them. The first oh, yeah. time I ever went hunting, we were up, and I've killed deer in the same spot at our cabin in Baldwin. But I climbed up this tree and hung on a cheap thirty dollar lock on stand, bag of carrots out there, and I freaking. Climbed back up the tree when we went back there, and I took a carrot in my pocket, and I was shaving off pieces of the carrot. Dropped my knife. I ended up finding it like 10 years later at the base of the tree. <laughs> wow. But the shavings were at the base of the tree. The deer came in right to the bait pile, and I was doing the same thing, shaking, you know, just a couple of those little ones, you know. And uh, they walked 
they were too far away. They were on the carrots, probably 15 yards away, maybe. And I was like, that's way too far. I, I can't make that shot. <laughs> and so I ended up shooting straight down because they were eating the shavings. And I was like, that's close enough, right? <laughs> so I missed. That was the first day that I ever hunted. And then they just ran over to the carrot pile. And I was shaking so bad at that point, I certainly wasn't going to make another shot. Oh, yeah. But, like, I think about all my friends and, like, your uh, John's experiences and, and things like that, like, of, of, of hunting, you know, from the time that I could bow hunt, I, I was, there was never a shortage of opportunities. <laughs> it was either I got busted or I just flat out missed. missed. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That was, that it, was all the, the learning curve, man. I got, <laughs> a great, I got a great story for you as far as that goes. It was the year I actually killed my first deer. But a friend of mine's um, dad took me bow hunting. We were 15. His, Joe Suki's dad. His name's Joe, too. Uh, he took me up north. Custer, it was. And uh, he put me in a spot where I emptied my whole quiver, you know. <laughs> and we get. he ended up shooting a deer that night. and I was really, really upset. <laughs> I was like, Joe. I said, you know, I, I shoot just fine. You know, back then we shot at hay bales and I could hit, you know, I could hit a baseball at, you know, constantly at 20 yards. And he goes, you know what you're doing? You're aiming at the bale. And I says, what do you mean? He goes, pick a spot on that deer, burn a hole through the hair like you're shooting at that spot or you're shooting at that chipmunk. Put that on a deer where you need to and you'll start killing deer. And I did after that. Then I was knocking them down after that, but. I aimed at the whole bale. I missed every time. Yeah. I mean, so for me, like once I met, you know, John's family met my wife and started hunting. Well, as John said many times on the podcast, well, they didn't shoot does. So now I can't, I can't shoot does when I'm hunting with them and they're teaching me. It tastes good. Well, Well, I killed does now. It's it's changed. (laughs) The the rules have changed. Um, But yeah, so there was no, they don't shoot does. So it was like, oh, they just turned their nose up, you know? And so I passed on tons of does. And finally, it got to a point where Frank says to me, he says, well, maybe you just got to get a few under your belt, you know? Just shoot whatever. <laughs> and then that year, I mean, I just, it was exactly, you know, doe comes in, shoot, no problem. And that that day, of course, that, that opportunity, there was two six points right on her tail, and they got, went out in front of me, and they were like forty yards out there fighting. And so I was like, "Well, if I wouldn't have shot them," but so that was that was it for me, as far as like my first kills. Now, for you, did you grow up? For Adam, did you start like hunting with your dad, going with him, like from the time you were? Oh like, yeah, way before Probably, you could hunt. So or? yeah, we shot at the Muskegon Bowman's Club. Again, three years old, and there's pictures in there still of me. Uh, my brothers and my dad um, shot there, you know, religiously, indoor leagues, outdoor leagues, summer leagues, um, all the way through, you know, hard, hardcore, never missing anything up till probably 15, 16. But I would go with my dad, um, and my dad gun hunted too. That um, was the real good time to where I could really, we're more successful when he would take take us as kids because we're moving around we're on the ground um you know trying to shoot one with a bow um can get kind of difficult so um but we he would take me in the tree stands we wouldn't go real high he likes to hunt low but um when i got to be 12 years old um we didn't have a youth season then so it's an 80 
86, um, I finally got to, you know, go on my own and I, I was scared as hell of the dark, you know, <laughs> and my dad, I think he liked that a little bit, but he'd bright eye the trail up and I'd double bright eye it up. So it was just, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd be walking through cattails over my head and just think for sure I'm going to get attacked by a bear or something, you know, but I'd finally make it to my stand and the whole hunting season of being 12 years old, as Ben said, I had similar experience. I mean, I absolutely emptied my quiver. Um, almost, you know, if we, we would hunt on the weekends, we'd drive up to Luther. We had a little cabin there on 300 acres that, that my dad and a couple of his friends leased. Um, and there were so many deer up there. And uh, I would empty the quiver. One time my dad set me on the edge of a fence line, and he sat across the field in a big tree. And I emptied my quiver three times. I was sitting on a stump, and these deer would come to the to the barbed wire fence to jump in the field, and they'd stop right before they jump. And it was over them, under them, over them, under them, over them, under them. And I go, he'd see me go pick all my arrows up out of the dirt, brand new broadheads, you know, from the store, put them back in, wipe them off, shoot them again. But so it it really got frustrating for me because. You know, to be honest, shooting that long, I really was good. We were taking first place every year, you know, in my division and, and age and things like that. And, I mean, I could really – I was really proud of how I could shoot, and it was accurate. But I became an absolute mess when the deer came in. And I don't care if it was a fawn or a, or a, a larger buck, but it was I, – I would come unglued. Sometimes I wouldn't even draw my bow because I was just in awe, like my heart's pounding so hard. And, you know, the adrenaline that you all live for, that's – that's what I like, but I went through all 12 years old, you know, the season there and didn't get anything and then had the same lease there, 13 years old and, you know, got in, got in my tree stand. You always hunt the same tree stand. You know, it wasn't like I was bouncing around like I do today, but, um, one night, um, I had two yearlings come through, no mother, two yearlings come through and the first one came through and just whacked her, you know, right where I wanted to so excited i couldn't even climb out of the tree you know for about 10 minutes i was shaking so bad and got down out and ran back to the to the cabin before dark you know and waiting for everybody to get back and it just starts downpouring rain and i'm hunting right on the edge of a cattail swamp and um i mean this first one i know i drilled it arrow was all blood um so by the time everybody got back it'd been downpouring for an hour i mean downpouring so we all walked out there course you know the blood trail was just gone um the deer i you know was it was a lethal hit um the cattail swamp was probably 100 acres i mean just swamp over your head you'd had to step on the deer to find it um that was uh the next day i mean we looked and my dad probably wanted to find that deer more than i did but i really i mean i knew i'd got one walked all over the place had the whole crew there didn't find it so that day, you know, we spent basically just looking for that deer. Well, that evening, and I'm pretty sure it was the other yearling, you know, that was by by itself this time, came through, same spot, stopped same one, and, and, and hit it in the spine. So it dropped right there. Well, I didn't have any experience of that. I've never seen that happen. They didn't have it on TV, anything like that. And so it's there, you know, and, and, it, and it's not dead. Um, so I, <laughs> and, and now I'm panicking. And uh, I, 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 had, I had six arrows in my little quickie quiver, one of them in the deer. And uh, I steady put all five arrows in that deer, panicking, and adrenaline pumping. So it's in the rear end, it's in the neck, it's in the ribs. 
it's all over, you know, but finally it stopped. And I was out of arrows. And I come down, I went up to it, and I touched it, you know, got a little blood on my fingers. Ran all the way back to the cabin again. And uh, everybody come back, and I said, oh, I hit one. Because that was the thing. I always hit one because I missed so many deer. Oh, I hit them. I hit them. I hit them. So, you know, we'd go out there, and sure, and my arrow's five foot up in a tree or, you know, in the dirt. Never hit them. But how do you know you hit them? I got blood, blood on my hands. I touched them, Dad. I touched them. He's there. So, I mean, this deer's dead. I got it. First deer. Um, so we, we end up going out there, the whole crew. And I remember it was cause it was old school lanterns. We didn't have the big lights. We're walking out there with a lantern. My dad's in front, you know, and he, we're walking right to my stand and all of a sudden we come up to the deer and the shadows cast from the lantern. He, he said, I remember it vividly. Never forget. He's like, he said, holy shit, you got a hundred dollars worth of arrows in them, you know? And he said, it looked like a porcupine coming up on it because it's all these arrows sticking out of it everywhere. And he said, well, you got him, Adam. It's down, you know? So I was so proud of that deer. I never forget it. You know, finally nailed one. And after that, it kind of really changed for me. I still did miss. And I, and still to this day, I mean, it can, with my kids even, that adrenaline pump is just something that you, you don't go away. You know, to people that don't hunt or I try to explain it to them, I just, you, you kind of got to just experience it, but it's, it's just incredible. And I get more of a pump now than the biggest buck or elk or bear or anything I've killed when my kids are there and it's, it's game on and it's the moment of truth and all the practicing you've done with them and to, and to hear them start breathing hard and you know, their knees are buckling just like mine were and trying to keep that thing shaking. That, that's what it's about. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the, I literally got out of the woods, went home, changed my clothes, and came here for the podcast. And I, I was out hunting with Frank, and so because of my poor uh, shooting skills last year, everybody else has been the, the shooter this year. I've been on the camera and all that stuff. And uh, we had these turkeys going, and I ended up to – the tracks of this one turkey were 80 yards from us. I mean, they, they were gobbling, and uh, there was a hen right next to us, and she she ended up taking these turkeys away. But, you know, to see to see Frank there with his bow, he wasn't really, like, tight string, but he was breathing heavy. Like, I was, like, I was watching the monitor on the video, and it was like, <sighs> and he, I mean, he was getting excited. And, and, and that's one of the things, like, so my wife is not, I mean, she grew up with hunters and dead things and, you know, yeah. all, all of that. But she's like, I could never go deer hunting. I don't want to deer hunt. But she's killed a turkey. And to see her, like, when they start gobbling and just that, I oh, mean, yeah. for me, that's, I mean, the funniest thing is, you know, having one spit drum behind us and she doesn't know what it is for 15 minutes. And then it's from me to you away. It's it's within arm's reach almost on the backside of the tree and she can't see it. And then when it, it gobbles, she jumps about five feet in there, you know, that just, just seeing that. So for me, I think, you know, uh, turkey hunting is kind of a really good, uh, gateway drug, I guess, because you get to see deer, you get to see everything else out there and oh, yeah. you get to interact with them. So even if you don't kill anything like move. today, well, but even though we didn't Switch kill anything today, up. you know, Frank was, Frank was excited, oh, you know, yeah. so and I could see John over there kind of like looking, going, yeah, I can see Frank getting excited, but I think in John's eyes there's a bit of trepidation because you just got his bow built and he's got it. Yeah, he's, yeah, it's not fully tuned yet. He's got to get that. I'm like, you need, to go, you need to go shoot about 100 arrows through that, get that string settled. So he said he was going to shoot it on uh, 
Saturday, I think. So. Yeah, I think I think he shot it a little bit over the, the course of the week, but oh man, he was he was <sighs> <sighs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was I was pretty excited about that. So you said um, from the way that you were uh, hunting to the way that you're hunting today. I think we've talked about that. You know, John and I, with kind of like I don't know if it's a Michigan thing, if it's a, a a comfort thing or whatever, but like you said, go to the same stand because that's just what you do, yeah. you know? So is that, I guess, how is your, uh, for, for both of you, how, how has your, um, hunting style changed like over the years? Is it the, the same where you just go and you bait some spots and then you go back there? Or are you, uh, going from little honey hole to honey hole? You know, you only go there once a year and yeah. you know, only when it's perfect. I think there's, there's two sides to that because there's, there's people that do both. Or there's there's people that are just very very polarizing. There's your weekend once a year opening day hunters, which obviously that doesn't seem to fall into your guys's category. Right. There's the guys that only hunt when the wind is right and they have all of their stuff in a you know, scent crusher. Yep. Know, tote so, and all that stuff. So for me, um, you know, it's almost like the ev- evolution. How uh, different phases, I guess, as I went through and I didn't didn't really know I went through them until I had a chance to reflect on, you know, reflect on how I was to, uh, when I was young until, until now. But, um, you know, when we were young, we, my, my dad didn't hunt over bait and, and his older friends and things like that. But to get the deer around us, you know, we, we, for my, me and my brothers, I mean, we, we baited, you know, and of course you'd get the action then, um, every now and then you'd have maybe say a decent Michigan buck come by. Um, and I loved it. And I did that for years. Um, when I got to be, um, I don't know, 17, 18 years old, I, uh, I started to, to really kind of start talking with people and trying to understand, you know, they were coming out with this scent elimination stuff. And, you know, for me, the scent elimination stuff, I have all the scent locks and the scent totes and the ozonics and everything. And for me, I know you're not going to fool, you're not going to trick a, a mature whitetail or, or whitetails just in general. Um, but the, the process that I go through to get ready for that, I think has got to help whether it's, you know, I, I do, I get dressed outside if it's 20 degrees and wind, you know, snow blowing sideways. Um, I think that the steps that you take to, to reduce that scent as much as you can, I think that's for me that that's worked. And I, and I, I and I really do believe in it. Um, so my, my, my style of hunting now, and really since I had kids of age to either hunt or to take them with me, cause just like my dad, I took them with them when they were real little. Now with the youth season, it's, it's awesome because I could get my daughter out there real young. Um, daughter shot a monster buck this year in Michigan, uh, youth season with her first deer. And we went four youth seasons and finally she tied the knot on that. I can talk about that maybe later, but for me. I don't consider myself I don't I don't like the term trophy hunter because that to some people it may sound like well you just want to kill an animal to put on your wall and say look at me look at the buck I shot. And it's not that way for me. I have a very high respect for animals. Taught that from a young age. It's in my blood. I mean that's just who I am. Um I I have a respect for them. I use every part of it that I can. Um, definitely eat them. I love, love the venison so many ways to do it now, but with my kids, um, I, I was able, I guess, to kind of let them fill the freezer and I could, 
I could focus more on the mature whitetail because I was so intrigued and got so uh, so much excitement, I guess, to try to tr- – because those big whitetail, those mature whitetail, and I don't care if it's a doe. Everybody's had that big doe, matriarch doe around. I mean, they're smart. They're really smart, and if you can – I say beat them at their own game, but if you're going to trick a, you know, uh, try to try to put an arrow in a, in a mature deer, be it a a, a, a antlered uh, buck or or doe, you really have to. There's there's a lot behind it, at least for me, and I I, I thrive on that now. I love it. I, I do a lot of my hunting out of state. It used to be for me, hunting season was from January 1st to the end of December. I mean, that's how it was. If I wasn't hunting. I would spend more time scouting um, than anything else. And, I, and, and you know, up until maybe five years ago, that's really how I lived it, um, where I would hunt. And I'd pretty much be burnt out, you know, by the third week of October. And then it's just about ready to get good. But I've been just living in these stands because, man, it's going to happen. They're showing up on my cameras. Where'd they go? I would say probably over the last 10 years, I really focused on, I'll call it, you know, the mature animal trying to get the mature buck um and my kids again they'd fill the freezer it's most of the time use season so i had meat in the freezer need one more deer i don't care if i got to eat my tag i'm that's that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna try to kill the biggest buck in the area that i know is there or maybe catch something from other properties in the rut do a lot of hunting in indiana at least some property with my dad or ohio um and of course anybody that's hunted out there i mean it is I, I there's nothing easy about killing a big buck but there's there's more out there regulations are different um michigan could be all of that um of those states but it just isn't right now um and uh, i have a lot of fun with that my, my style is i'm perfectly content with coming home and i have many years with without a tag but my experience is there my adrenaline just sitting in that tree stand knowing that what could possibly come past me being I either seen it on my, on my trail camera in the summer or the farmer saw it, you know, or, or, or whatever it is, um, that that's real satisfying to me. And I, cause I just love to be out there and you just never know what's going to unfold. But that, that moment when you can trick, trick those big ones at their own game and do everything just perfect. Cause you have to, and seal the deal. My adrenaline pump still is the same. Like when I was a kid, but I seem like I can control it a little bit more after the shot. I'm a mess, you know, usually, <laughs> usually it's, it's a mess, especially if it's, you know, the one you were after and things like that. But I, I really made a change, you know, say seven, eight years ago to where I wasn't going to spend, and I don't know if it was the kids or the job or just a combination of everything, but I figured, okay, I'm going to put something, I'm going to put a little bit of time into my scout, and especially when I'm out on these, uh, you know, Indiana, Ohio, I know there's big bucks in there, right? Um, so I didn't have to focus as much time. I know now where to put stands for each wind direction and things like that, and, and you know, how high to get them in certain areas. And um, I would, my time frame went way down where I was, where I could, you know, I was shorting my family a little bit at times, I'm sure with just that passion, I got to stop myself and pull the reins back a little bit, but I would, I would go out opening weekend, be content with that. Sometimes I sealed the deal. You know, you had the big ones still on their summer patterns, bachelor group. Sometimes I could get it done after the opening weekend. I totally would turn things off and let's take my kids around here locally. And, uh, I'd go back, you know, basically from Halloween to gun season opener or before, 
and that was it. I would love to sit all day, all day sits. And uh, last year I did it, sat all day sits, 12 days in a row. The 12th day I was going to stay in the cabin and clean it up, ready to leave. My dad's like, you got to get out there, you know, let's do it. And it, it all came together the last hour, right? How many times do you hear that? But so that's really, that's, that's how I am with it now. And so with that, you said like when you grew up, you didn't hunt bait, you didn't do anything like that. And John was the same way. Your your dad painted my dad the bows painted the for, bows for, <laughs> for yeah for angler. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't know so, I didn't really there... put that puzzle together until tonight. Really, on the way over here, I'm like, wow, like, you know, Adam, you know John. Do I? <laughs> I go, yeah, you know John. <laughs> yeah. So you guys didn't hunt together or anything like that, but it, it must must no. have been like your dads were talking about. Oh yeah, my dad was in the in the archery shop, angler archery all the time, and uh, but yeah, we didn't. We didn't bait. We didn't, you know, shoot does. Matter of fact, when I finally shot my first doe, I was a little bit scared to tell my dad about it. And here I was a teenager at the point. You wow. Know? I'm like, yeah. And and he was. He was mad. What'd you go and shoot a doe for? I'm like, because it's good. It's good to shoot a <laughs> right, doe. Right. And they're really good to eat, Dad. I'm <laughs> sick of going around. I don't want to kill a spike horn, you know. I, right. I, right. I had killed some really nice bucks with my gun and stuff. And yep. I killed a couple smaller bucks with my bow, but I'm like, I'm just going to kill a deer. You know? Right. Yeah. Good to so, eat. So, so Ben and I are sitting here like these bastards, <laughs> 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 you know, I mean, that, that's, a, that, that's kind of like when I got into this family, that's, I was like, these guys are just, you know, this is just crazy. <laughs> like I say, uh, uncle Frank, you know, my, my father-in-law is like, up. <laughs> well, I just think I say like my father-in-law is like Grizzly Adams. Like I walk in and it's like, it's like, Ace Venture, like what a lovely room of death you have. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just a whole like bunch that. of dead things on the walls, you know. And that's that's fine because I grew up hunting. It's it's no big deal. But it's like when you walk into his garage, it's like Cabela's. It's I mean you I mean look at there's there's a thousand dollars worth of arrows sitting behind us <laughs> <Yeah>. right now. <laughs> They're not all Johns, right. you know. <laughs> but one less after. Uh... You know, so <laughs> yeah. I had a little buck feed. 111 11 yeah, yards. Yeah, John, I, I missed that. Let's hear about that. I think you oh. shot 120 yards on that. He, he was showing off for the death by guys. No, I was I was shooting, and then all of a sudden a car pulls up, and I didn't recognize it, and it's got, like, blackout windows and stuff. Gangsters. Who's pulling up here? I got my bow in my hand. What's going on? But it was Adam and Ben. And so they're like, well, how long is that shot? I'm like, well... It's like 109 or 111, like right at the road. And they're like, you can hit it? I'm like, yeah, I just hit it three times. <laughs> well, let's video it. <laughs> let's go live. <laughs> so let's go live. So, yeah. So if you watch the live video, yeah, I launched it over the hill. like. And, and, and that's on the stuff. death by. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, we live. I was still impressed. <laughs> yeah. And then the, so I, I flung one more arrow and I missed it low left. So, but. But just before that, that I had one. I had all three in the little block, and one was in the paper. So, well, we we talked about these guys coming on the podcast and being nervous. I said, <laughs> you know, John was nervous when he first started the podcast too, and I I guess uh, for the Bow Hunter uh, Chronicles following, that's probably why we don't do more live feeds because John gets <laughs> nervous when when uh, when we when we do some some live things. Yeah, I'm I'm not a camera or a, oh, I just don't like public speaking period <laughs> me yeah. Either, man. yeah me either it's a it's a, it's a curse i yeah. you know i fight every day to do this i don't know yeah, if we anybody had to... likes it you know it's <laughs> just, well, some here, people can do it 
Tuesday when we're over at the the uh, backcountry hunters and anglers, we're sitting there. It's the the campfire stories, and they're talking. There's people up there telling stories. The next thing you know, we hear this. I mean, these guys are talking. Just blah, 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 blah. They look back, and it's Adam and what Kevin? <laughs> no, it's, it's Ryan. Ryan from uh, the boat, uh, the deer hunter. Uh, Deer Hunter podcast. People, we got two Adams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, yeah. This is Adam Miller. Yeah. But. So if if you listen to the if you don't listen to the Deer Hunter podcast, you really need to. And uh, I don't know if you can find an episode, but if it mentions anything about CVA customer service, that's the one that will give you a real good idea who Ryan is because uh, <laughs> he has a problem with uh, CVA's customer service, and he would. Really like everybody to know about it. So yeah, he yeah. actually offered me that gun when we got there. Wow! <laughs> no thanks. I gotta tell you guys something fun I just recently did with my eleven-year-old uh, boy. He's uh he's shot a couple deer with a bow now, and I'm trying to get him addicted to hunting, but I don't know if I made it too easy for him. You know, <laughs> I baited him in stands, and he shows up for youth day, and he pretty much pulls the trigger. You know. I met a guy, Brian Paul, Holy Southern Outdoors through Death by Archery. And uh, he invited us down to do some hog hunting, you know. So I brought my boy down there. Now, have you, you ever hog hunted before? This is just no, something you first, wanted to do? Well, I have inside a fence. Okay. High fence. This is a way different deal here. And uh, he invited us down, and I brought my son, and my son is addicted to hunting after this trip. <laughs> what a joy. I mean, we had hogs everywhere, and we shot some big ones. We shot some with night vision at night, and uh, we chased them down with dogs and stabbed them with knives. Now, where was this at? I mean, what state? Georgia. Georgia. Yep, Alabama, Georgia. But Brian Paul, I mean, he was a treat to be around. My kid loved him. You know, I mean, I felt like I'd known this guy all my life. That's how good he was with us, you know. Got that same hunting passion. Yeah. Yep. So threw my back out though chasing hogs with this guy. <laughs> so, so what's the what's the process? I know. I, so I talked to I've got two um, pit bulls, and so like I played softball with a bunch of guys, and there's some guys from Louisiana who raise pit bulls, and they're like, "Oh man, we we use them to hunt." And I'm like, "These pit bulls hunt? Oh yeah, we hunt hogs. They put these vests on them and all sorts of stuff and just send them after these hogs and i'm like what like my dog is afraid of thunder and lightning <laughs> like what so what's the process i mean how you said you hunted them with night vision and stuff like that but you also were saying they use dogs and yeah what well, that was that was different at first i thought that i didn't know if it was the right thing to how to hunt you know after i experienced it i mean it was it was pretty wild it was a treat he has these catch dogs that they let out, and he's got them all on monitors, and uh, he knows where they're at, and we're hopping in the back of a truck and driving down two tracks that feels like at 100 miles an hour, and <laughs> branches about knocking you off your head, you know, until you get until you get close, and then he's like, you ready? And then he let out this big dog. It's called a catch dog. His name's Beast. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dogs are these? I think they're pit bull mixes. Okay. I mean, they all got them big heads on. I didn't ask exactly what they were called, but they wag their tail. You can pet them. They're nice. <laughs> but they like to chase hogs. And so what uh, equipment did you use when you were shooting them? Uh, we used 308 bows, and that was it, just a bow and 308. Oh, that's not true, right? Didn't you say you killed one? Oh, with a knife, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's hear about that. Oh, that was quite an experience there. 
So during this whole trip, the um, Brian Paul was like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, and he's showing me videos and everything. I'm like, yeah, I, I want to do it. it. It's different taking an animal's life with point blank like that. But it wasn't that bad. I mean, I kind of liked it, to be honest with you. I thought it was cool. I mean, they die fast. I was kind of like going through all the scenarios. I was like, people are going to think that it's inhumane and uh, people are going to think it's rough killing an animal like that. And I started thinking, well, you sometimes you gut shot a deer. Sometimes you hit it in the shoulder. At least I know where I'm killing this animal at. And they die fast, man. You just lift up that arm, stick it in there, and twist that knife, man, it's dead in seconds. So they don't mm-hmm. suffer. So the dogs, they catch dogs. You said they track them down, basically, and then they send out the, the big... The bay dogs. Oh, the bay dogs. Yeah, the bay dogs will circle it, and they call it... The dogs are sitting, so they know they have a hog. Okay. And we get as we got as close as we could, and then you got to run through all the, <laughs> the rough terrain to get there. <laughs> I've seen some of those videos. And try to beat the catch dog before the catch dog kills it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. The catch dog will kill it if, I mean, you can't get to it fast enough. Most likely. How long were you guys down there? Uh, five, four, five days, four day, four nights, five days. And how many hogs did you guys harvest? Seven, I think it was seven or eight. We just hunted at night. Okay. So you hot. shot them with bows at night. Yeah. What was the equipment like on that? You got to use a green light so you can see. Okay. They can't see green light. I learned that on the way. <laughs> <laughs> and so they you said me that. And your son killed one then too. Yeah, he killed one with a three oh eight and he killed one with a knife, but we're trying to keep that a secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, the secret the, the listeners won't tell him. Good <laughs> yeah. thing we're not live. <laughs> I didn't know if his mom would like that or not, you know. <laughs> and how a, how old is your son? He's eleven. Okay. I mean it seems like a reasonable thing for an eleven year old to do, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, Don't tell your mom. <laughs> but I was like, You sure you wanna do this, Royce? And he's like, Yeah, Dad, that's cool. <laughs> so we we come across some smaller ones, some piglets, you know, they're probably 50 pounds or so, and he stabbed one too. <laughs> well, so I think the whole premise of this podcast is predicated on the fact that neither John's nor my wife listen. So, <laughs> so, so Hopefully we, nobody <laughs> listens to that. <laughs> he liked it. <laughs> so have you hunted with uh, outfitters before or? First time ever. Okay. And so what was that experience like versus, I mean, I would have to imagine never, um, like your family doesn't hunt. So you were either a weekend warrior or something like that, or you were invited to other people's hunting camps. So what's the different experience between like going to another hunting camp versus like an outfitter? I mean, it's like, do they like kiss your ass or? I thought about it so much and I read all about it before i even went there i didn't know quite how to act because i'm used to just doing my own thing you know and i come in with a mindset that they're locals and they know what they're doing i'm gonna sit back and learn as much as i can from them you know and they they were they were so much fun and they had so much knowledge i learned a lot in just a few days you know but i'm still not ready to go kill wild hogs by myself you need guys that know guys right that, that know what they're doing you know i mean like gutting it out and skinning it's the same as a deer, but you have to take care of that pork fast. And them guys were like, I wanted to do it, but they did it so fast I did, couldn't even. By the time I got my knife out, they had it done. You know. Yeah. 
Well, and that's like, I mean, I guess the, the hog thing is I, I think any hunter probably just be like, well, I'd love to go kill a hogs because you're going to get multiple opportunities and, and things like that. But, you know, John's a big uh, John Dudley guy, and that's what he says is he's like, don't bother trying it on your own. You know, he's like, find some an outfitter or someone who has a hog problem that says this is where hog they're going to be, yep. you know, go kill them. Yeah, and that's what you're saying. They have like a big uh, pecan ranch yeah, they, orchard. They were showing me where the hogs are just tearing up everything, and they said they eat all the eggs out of all the birds' nest, and they just travel and destroy everything in their path. And you um, took video of like some of this too? Oh, yes. We have a video coming out. Now, Mark Metamo's putting it together right now. <laughs> all right. And so um, – with that, does it like show like the destruction that they do, or is it just like, some of it? Yes, yeah. we have that in there. So it's going to be like the whole, yeah, the it's whole pretty thing. neat. It sounds really cool. I think that would be really difficult with uh, even like the stuff that we're doing for filming and stuff like that to try and film at night because it's like it would have to be like all the lights, or you'd have we to didn't get no filming at night, okay? But we got the knife kills <laughs> 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 that was during the day. Well, you guys got to try it. Well, I would really love. I've got a uh, a good buddy that goes to Texas every year, um, and does it, and it, it seems really inexpensive. Actually, John and I and Frank have been talking about doing it here, you know. And you know, John says, "Well, I guess we'll just have to do it for the podcast. We'll have to do something <laughs> yeah. to, to talk about." I want to go with you guys. <laughs> My wife's like, "Another hunting trip, another vacation." <laughs> I, hey, I got to do it for the podcast, you know. <laughs> What, right. You got to go to Detroit on a Tuesday. What? What for? Well, we're going to the. For the it's for the podcast. For the podcast. We got to go. You know, we got to go talk to people and get our name out there. But. Yeah. Hey, we're 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 trying <laughs> it. And so for for you, Adam, um, you've most recently, I think, done some bear hunts with that outfitter. Have you hunted with outfitters prior to that? No, or? up until that, I mean, it was more. I've always been. I had so much success knocking on doors right uh whether it be in michigan i mean i shot my biggest michigan buck um knocking on a door um and and you, you it's fewer and far between now um and again if you if you're getting access on some property nine times out of ten other people are getting the same yeah go ahead you know they're killing my corn or whatever and then not that I don't enjoy hunting with other people, but I can't. I lose some of the control on what I can and can't do, you know. Um, and, and, and if I'm trying to do my scent control and play in the wind and stuff like that, and, you know, they got every right to be out there, too. It almost turns into, like, a public land, which I did a lot of growing up as well. Um, there's just more challenge, more different challenges there with that. But the first guided hunt, I'd call it, was bear hunting. Um, and my son was 10 years old, so... Uh, he's almost 21. So 11 years ago, um, I, I ran into a guy basically through social media, um, that was recommended, uh, that in, in Northern Minnesota, that he did a lot of bear, bear guiding. They're actually just kind of starting up. Um, they bear hunted a lot growing up and then, Hey, let's do this. Um, but I ended up talking with him, um, actually booked a hunt with him, which it was a really economical hunt too. It was basically, you know, I don't four or five hundred bucks, and he'd do the bait. Um, I would bring my stand, but obviously, I'm going to put my stand where the bait is. Um, so that was a that was hard for me because I was no bear expert at all. I mean, I thought, wow, it'd be pretty cool to go go hunt a bear, you know. Um, but I ended up for some 
personal reasons not been able to do that hunt until like two years after i actually paid for the hunt and he was really cool about that and uh i'd got to know him because we kept in contact you know every other couple weeks or once a month and um finally and i got my tag and went out there and again it's like you know and these guys didn't whitetail hunt even though there's monster whitetails in, in northern minnesota um they just didn't do it um but all of the things that I knew about bear was their nose. I knew their sight was nothing, but a bear's nose is is way better than uh, you know pick stuff up more than a deer even. So they're if they smell you, they're gone. So the scent control stuff too, and it was it was it was weird because I would be the guy with all my my scent lock totes, and I remember going in in a little lake out there on the on the public property if you know just freezing cold trying to because i'd been around a campfire and nobody else did it you know it was me and my son and he wasn't happy about it either but i'm like you're going to be in the tree video and you're going to be you know you're going to take scent free soap in this in this pond but uh we saw more bear than anybody um and my son was there video and right next to me was the neatest thing and he wanted he wanted to hunt bear in the worst way and what's really cool about this, though, how old was your son at the time? Ten. Yeah. Ten so, years old. So he's got a 10-year-old video in his bear hunt. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Yeah. 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 We got some, some really good footage of that. So there's this. It's on Death by Archer. It was, uh, yeah, it was it was just an awesome experience. So here I am, you know, and, again, I'm hunting black bear, right, and I, and, and I got a respect for the animal, you know, something that can kill you, um, but. My dad would give me a lot of lot of uh, grief about that. He went to Maine. Uh, if anybody's been to Angle Archer when he owned it, he shot the state record of black bear in Maine with a bow in like '76, and it held forever. Do you know about that? Did he go with a bunch of people? Did my, he, my dad. Yeah, yeah, he did. Okay, because Frank went out there. I know I, Frank was there. Yeah. I, I believe Frank was there when he did it. Yeah, because Frank. I, I just I don't want to interrupt your story, yep. but like Frank is like. You know, we went out there and we were pulling this PSE trailer and you're like, we went out there with the guys from PSE and did all these hunts. And then like, he shot this bear and he was going to get a rug made and the transmission went out on the way home yeah. and like all sorts yep. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was the hunt. Yeah. yeah. Full body mounted now standing up on a rock. It's in his house now and it's just, it's awesome. You know, really that that's, I, you know, I wanted to shoot a bear after I saw that, but so I go out there, got my 10 year old with me. We're looking at this bait, and uh, the guys had called it. You know, they've been hunting these property for 20 years for bear hunting, right? And they just, over three or four years, had decided we're going to guide. And they said, hey, Adam, we're going to put you on the backdoor bait. And I'm like, well, what's the backdoor bait? And he said, there's a bear coming in there that's 500-plus pounds that all the hunters, that when they see him, he comes in straight on to the bait, pulls all the logs off it from the back so it's head-on the whole time, and he backs, when he gets done eating, he backs right out of the woods, like in reverse, and he's out of there. He's smart. So the very first time ever bear hunting, I'm sitting there with my son, and I it's really thick, and I just caught a glimpse of it. It was just black, as dark as, it just, just for a second, you know. It went through maybe 100 yards out, and I'm like, wow, I don't. I don't really, I made the decision to have my 10 year old in the tree next to me. I got my 44 on my side. I'm not going to, you know, BS you because it's just not that I'd probably even be able to do anything with it. But, um, 
you know, my, my heart just, all kinds of things were going through my head. Like, okay, here it is, right? He's going to, I think he's going to come in. And he comes in, and he comes in just like the guy told me he was going to come in. I'm thinking, And I saw him, and I'm like, that bear is huge. That bear is freaking huge. And he comes straight in. And I, in my mind, it's the backdoor bear. This is a 500-pound bear in front of me, right? And, and, and I got my son, you know, and I'm, I'm a mess, right? My adrenaline's pounding. My, son, my son's got the video camera. I take a look at the little screen, you know, to make sure he's on it. And I'm kind of whispering to him. And the bear came in, and he knocked all the logs off the bait, and he's head on to me. And it was probably 10 minutes. And he just turned a little bit quarter towards me. And I know to shoot the bear, I wanted broadside perfect broadside you know before i'm gonna pull the trigger well he just turned almost broadside and i got to a full draw you can hear my arrow come back on that video and he immediately was like straight on to me again so now i'm at a full draw with this bear and i'm calm myself down i don't know how but i did and i'm holding and holding and holding and holding you guys have all been there to where I, I i gotta let down i gotta let down this bear's 15 yards max right i know they can't see that well but you know, he's just kind of looking in the distance when he lifts his head up, and he's looking right at us, you know. And I, I probably wasn't seeing us, but that's what I felt like hunting deer. You can't get away with anything. But So I'm holding, and, I, and I'm just about to point in my head, all right, I'm just going to have to let this down and hope my arrow doesn't come off, you know, my string because it just wants to jam forward when you're holding back for two, three minutes. <laughs> and he just quartered, quartered towards me a little bit, and I could see daylight between the black. He's, they're so black between that that front leg and in the belly. And I mean, again, I, I shoot all year long, you know, and I, I just, and I was calm and my pack could hold my, my pin was right there, you know, and I know the heart sits back a little bit, but I thought with the angle, you know, that I could, I could get it done. And, and there it was. And I, I just said, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. Let it rip. And I saw I had a Luminoc I play the video back. We did slow-mo on it. It's just real awesome footage, but it just, you know, it just disappeared in the black, just saw it perfect. And the bear, it it was so thick in there, but the bear, I saw it, like, take two bounds, and then I couldn't see it anymore. Didn't hear it either, which was really strange. And I I always heard, you know, these bear, they got the death moan. I saw them on video all the time, and, and I really was concerned that I was going to ruin my son if he heard something like that because it's kind of, you know, again, it's it's a death moan. It doesn't sound good, you know, so uh, – but there was no death moan, and I'm thinking, now I'm 20 questions, you know, what happened? You know, I see my arrow, and I'm zooming. I take the camera from him and zoom it in, replaying it there. I'm like, wow, it's right there. I mean, I hit what's going on. So it was still probably two hours before dark, and so I got got down out of the tree with him and walked back to our vehicle that we parked on the two-track, drove all the way back to the camp. All the guys get over there, okay, let's go. And they're just gung-ho, you know, it's dark. And they're going, I got my 10-year-old next to me. And I'm like, oh, hold on. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't know what's going to go on here, but I don't want to, you know, walk up on a wounded bear or something. Because, again, I didn't hear that death moan. But Did they see your video? They did. Okay. So well, that, that, okay, yeah. yeah, That's. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I go back and I'm like, man, I got the backdoor bear. Because in my mind, this is a 500-pound black bear. I mean, he came in. It was bigger than life, right? And he looks at it, and he just starts laughing and shaking his head. He's like, man, congratulations, congratulations. He said, I got some bad news. 
I said, what? He's like, well, I thought he was going to tell me I hit it bad or something. He's like, that's not the backdoor bear. He said, that's about 200 pounds. I'm like, I couldn't imagine a 500-pound bear. You know, I thought, I, dead to rights, I'd have told anybody. I shot the backdoor bear, man. He came in, did his thing, and, I, and he just gave me a shot, and I got it done, you know. So we go out there, and it wasn't, it wasn't 10 yards at the max from where I put the arrow in it. He was stiff as a board. And what had happened, and not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, what a good shot I am. It just so happened because I was going lung. I knew I'd get the lung. My arrow went right through the heart, you know, as because it, it was on that angle. I pulled it out, and I could see I was shooting, you know, the old thunderhead and three blades right dead center in the heart. So there, when they do that, I guess there's no death moan. So – my boy just was cranked up, excited to go, you know, and he's 10. You can't draw till you're 12. So long story short, we went there the next year. I shot another one. He videoed it. We went there the next year, and it was on him. I didn't even buy a tag. I put in, and I was successful, but I wasn't going to go buy a tag until if he shot one and there was still time left, then I would go buy one. And so we take him out there, and – all of a sudden, you know, same deal. There's this – well, we had two Timberwolves come in, which is really neat. Um, big black one and a multicolored one there. And this black bear came in like 10 minutes after that, and I kind of lost him. You know, I'm like, man, because it's so thick. And then I all of a sudden heard brush breaking, and he let out a big wolf. Scared these wolf off is what happened. And this thing come right back in, come into him, and it's just – it's a monster, monster bear, monster bear. And I'm thinking, how cool is this, my son, you know? And he's, again, he's 12 years old, just a little guy. I got him already. He's standing there, you know, with this little bow, 35 pounds, 37 pounds, I think is what it was. And uh, he walked straight in toward us. I, we're only six foot up a tree. As a matter of fact, when he climbed the tree, I, I, I reached up and he grabbed the bow, okay? <laughs> so we got, I'm not a small guy, but we got me and him in this little tiny tree because that's all that was available, right? And uh, this bear comes in sits right down on the bait so we got to watch him 10 minutes finally turns broadside and i'm he told me dad stop shaking you know he's telling me my 12 year old because i'm pumped right i'm running the video like i can't this is this is gonna happen he's gonna shoot but i'm hoping just praying because he's a good shot really good shot and he practiced a lot and he let it rip and he buried the blazer vein just dead dead nuts where it needed to be um, it's shish kebab, that bear. So he's got, you know, green blazer veins on one side and his little 85 green head on the other side. The bear stood up on his back legs like this, comes down and runs 30 yards. And then there goes the death moan. Now, you know, now I'm like trying to talk to him, you know, over the bear and it didn't, didn't bother him at all. You know, it wasn't very long and it was done, but the guys come up to that bear and was like, my God, he, that bear's huge. That bear's going to go Pope and Young. That's the first thing the guy said. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. My 12-year-old son, first time bear hunting, first <laughs> afternoon out, he's going to get a Pope and Young bear, and he did, you know, 18-inch skull. The bear was huge. Um, we sent the tooth and the rib out to the DNR. They said it was over 20 years old, had no fat on him. The bear, I ended up buying a tag after that, and I had shot one. Um, about the same size, but my bear had maybe four inches of fat and his had nothing. It was just gone. His teeth were way worn down. Old, old bear. The DNR said it wouldn't have made it through hibernation. So that's another thing that I felt really good about. That was kind of a bonus. Well, I have a bear starved to death out there, but, um, and bear meat is delicious too. You know, I've talked to people who don't really like it, but I learned a lot from how to prepare it from those guys. And, uh, it's all about getting all that fat off, but. 
exciting hunt. So, did John? Did your dad bear hunt? Like, no. was he involved in it? Okay, no. so listening to like Ranella talk and with their experiences, and they've all got whatever bad shit bears have. From, yeah, from yeah. from eating <laughs> bad bears. Like, what what's this when they're talking about how to prepare a bear? Because um, we're getting ready to go out to Idaho, and that's one of the things is like we're gonna go out there when like every season is open. So if we buy a, a deer tag with our elk tag, you can shoot a deer, a mule deer, a bear. Yeah. You, awesome. you shoot anything. Yeah. So, and yeah. it, it sounds like there's a lot of bear. Yeah, John doesn't want. John's like, I just I only want to hunt elk. That's what I want to do. And yeah, I'm like, no, kill stuff. I, I, I'm thinking like, you know, if I get an opportunity to kill a bear, like I can go out there and like, let's just say that I don't know shit about elk hunting. Right. Let's just hypothesize that I don't know anything about elk hunting. I'm just learning about it right now. But I happen to run into a bear or something like that. I'm why not shoot it? You know, that's kind of like. <laughs> well, I'm so, fine with that. So, I just my my <laughs> my issue with that is we only have so many days out there. Now, if you could get an extra couple of days off work and we could stay a little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to know somebody at the company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Focusing on the elk. That's not a bad idea either. Yeah. But realistically, so with with the bears, what's the deal when they're talking about how to prepare? Because Ranella says, oh, they're great, but they all have, like, yeah, <laughs> I've bad talked, stuff. I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of people that was like, a matter of fact, I've had people tell me, I can't believe you go out and bear hunt just, just, just to kill them. You know, my girlfriend had said that, you know, and I said, whoa, no, I, I, I'm eating these bear, you know what I would not, I would never just kill something to kill it, but, um, eating all the bear. But I learned, um, from talking to quite a few guys prior to that over years before that, that, you know, that it's, you've talked to people that had bad experience with venison. I know, I know a lot of people that, you know, they'll eat cow loves steak, not that they're vegetarian or anything, but they just don't like venison. And I really believe that. It's got to be on how it's prepared. I've had bad venison before. Oh, I've it. messed venison up before myself, but, you know, over the years you learn how to do the, the big thing not to overcook it. But the thing with a bear um, that is key, I, I think, and, and that I've been told in, in the way that I practice it, as soon as you kill that bear, I mean, as soon as you kill it, I don't really even care about the temperature. Normally it's it's warmer but uh, you got to get that hide off and get that meat cool. Like, and they'll even put that in the regulation book in the in, in Michigan here too. I was just reading up on it for hopefully a hunt in Baldwin this year um, on bear. But um, getting that off immediately is 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 key. The other thing that you absolutely have to do is the you know on deer there'll be you know the tallow and the fat and things like that, and you really want to. For, at least for me, I want to keep as much meat as I possibly can, you know. Um, with a bear, if you took, you know, a hind quarter, you know, and you are going to put it in a roast or whatever, you need absolutely every single piece of fat off that, that piece of meat that you possibly can. Any, it's like a, a fat the size of, all combined the size of like a quarter, um, will will taint that meat and give it that, that gamier funky taste right because i've had it that way too um but i've had bear cooked and i've cooked the bear myself i took a couple quarters down to local here town and country and they smoked them i mean it was off the charts good i still got guys asking me you know from you know 10 years ago hey you know when are you going to go shoot another bear we want to have some of that that jerky or whatever but um as far as the 
you know, the, any diseases or things that they have that to identify. I really don't, I, I don't, I'm not up on that. I know that they're in the regulations, what to look for, but I know the key is to get it cool just, and that's really with any animal, but the bear meat itself, I've heard more people talk about how kind of nasty the bear tastes. And I have the complete opposite. I would personally, I would take bear over deer any day of the week. It was that good, you know, put it in a crock pot or steak or smoked, um, but yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to getting another one because not like I can get one every year, you know. Yeah, I think I've only ever had it like as like a stew or like a with some sort of like a red sauce and like the crock potted. Yeah, we've had like the Bowman's Club usually has the bear stew or whatever. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Oh yeah, real yeah. good. I've had it some a couple times though where it's been. Oh yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, yeah. me too. You can get that ta- that funk. Yeah, it just <laughs> just doesn't. And it's that ta- that ta- tallow fat. That's what's that's what's doing it. They get it, and it takes time to prep a piece of meat like that. You know well, what happened with Brunello was they uh, they didn't cook it. They didn't cook it to a like one sixty or whatever to kill the trigonosis. Yeah. The, yeah, he got sick off it, didn't he? Yeah, they ended up getting a couple of them got trigonosis. Yeah, I think and, I think they all like uh, the uh, his whole group even the like, yeah. cameraman and all that and they've been <laughs> yeah. tested What's for it and i think i think he's even said that he wants to like because they don't they don't know like is there there's like some sort of like cure for it you can take these uh pills but they don't even know like when you can start taking them or how effective they are it's just like what they recommend and so i believe he said that he wants to like donate his body to science so that they can see like 30 years after he dies or whatever. I don't doubt that was Steve. If, right. Well, if, right. Yeah. Well, cause like when, like he killed a bear, like I think one of his first bears out there, he sent it in, you can send in a tissue sample and it was like that they take the, the meat and they look at it and then they can tell like how many like, trigonosis i don't know if it's the parasite or whatever they call it it's yeah. probably like how many parts per million yeah parts, how many they found in that little sample and it was like a freaking ton wow like really high but it's fine if you cook that meat to a certain temperature yeah, that's sure. the one i think he said that he brought it to a like his buddy out there was working at like a a grocery store or something and he brought the meat in after hours and they processed it and they're yep. freaking <laughs> it's like oh yeah but it sounds like because we are having this conversation because i mean yeah on a tuesday night we drove over for an event in detroit and came back and like i was driving home like a zombie and we were talking about <laughs> everything but we were talking about um catfish and how on the meat eater they were talking about how they can either do it correctly or one little piece of oil or anything like that gives it the terrible taste that yeah it tastes like you're eating the bottom so of the river love catfish because it's the greatest fish on earth or it <laughs> you got the taste like right. yeah. So, yeah yeah and it's it's really strange with the with the fat stuff as i'm sitting here thinking about it because i think on meat eaters steve had a, a episode where he was actually taking that fat and, yeah. and cooking it up and then yeah. cooking the meat in it right. but i so i don't i don't that was know the blueberry bear whatever you're talking about yeah yeah. Well, yeah, but there's a that may have been different because I know that they talk about the differences between like the coastal bear. Yeah, and they they talk about like the the ones that eat fish taste like garbage, and the ones that eat blueberries taste good. So, right. I mean that there could be like a whole another, yeah yeah another thing about that. But yeah, I don't I don't have any idea about bears. That's why I was asking because like we're we're starting to put in Frank and I and my family. We've got our property in the uh, the UP. And there's bears everywhere. Oh yeah. So, but we haven't had like we haven't shot 
a big deer. I mean, we saw two really nice deer this year, and uh, we're, the, the deer is coming back, but it's like, hell, we could have a hell of a bear camp because there's <laughs> bears everywhere, oh, yeah. you know? Right. So it's like we're going to have to start start going up there and start baiting bears. So we've just started putting in for points um, to get the first season. We can basically buy over-the-counter the third season, yep. but it rolls right into bow hunting. Like, it's it, you yeah. know, we'll just be messing up our deer season um, at that point. But um, we're sitting here looking at, I don't know, what's this this antler here score? Oh, wow. I don't know. Probably. It's Michigan antler. Probably a 115, 120-inch buck probably when, with the other side. Nice one. Um, funny story on that one. Uh, this year, Ben and I went out uh, to some property. Ben, ben had permission to hunt and... He was on me for a long time. Let's go out. Let's go out. You got to check this spot out. Let's hunt it. Let's hunt it. And, of course, we go out there. If you guys remember this winter, how cold it was on, well, what was it, Ben? It was like two days before the end of the season. Yeah. You know? It was below zero. Right after Christmas. And, you know, people were, I, I throw something on Facebook going out hunting, and people were like, you got to be kidding me. You're nuts. <laughs> you're you're crazy. But, like, hey, I got the gear. I'm out there with one of my best friends. Let's Let's go do some hunting and ben's been asking me a long time let's go so got out there and um ben had the setup for me already because i'm left-handed and he's like man this thing would be perfect for left-handed Ten feet off the ground that's it a lot of cover one though. tree a lot of cover though it was a it was a very good setup i i could have probably trimmed a little this bit kind of like a trend are you f- afraid of heights i'm not <laughs> but i didn't set it up <laughs> the so. story is funny yeah because <laughs> what happens is uh <laughs> I hunt this, there's a 20-acre partial, and it's not very good unless we have a lot of snow because it's, one end of it has tons of cedars in it, and them deer all bury up in them cedars, right? Well, I put him in a spot that's all shrubs, and there's one tree about this big, and it's nothing but straight, right? So, I mean, you could actually almost touch the stand. I put it in, but I go, I can't hunt out of it because it's for a left-hander. And Ben's all old school. He had a ratchet strap hanging for a bull rope, you know? So I'm like, he's like, here it is, man. Go ahead. And he goes to his spot. I'm like, all right, we're going to make it work. So uh, he didn't even know where I went. So I took off in a climber about 60 yards from him, you know? And it's cold. I mean cold. Uh, It was below zero. Yep. So I have no idea where Ben is. I've never been on this property. And, I mean, it starts to snow. And it's already just it's below zero. We were one mile from Lake Michigan. <laughs> below zero. I had my bow hanging up, and, you know, I got the mittens that kind of open up because I really, I hate anything on my hands, but this time I absolutely had to have them, you know, and I touched my bow, you know, every now and again, grab a hold of it, and I couldn't hold it for 10 seconds, you know, and, and I'd have to hang it back up. But just like he said, you know, where the deer were going to come from, all of a sudden it's just a herd of deer coming towards me. And, uh, a couple of them just lay down and they're sitting there eating. And I mean, it's nasty weather. And I'm thinking, man, something's going to happen. It's three hours before it thinks about getting dark. And uh, I'm not knowing if I'm going to make it, you know, I just, <laughs> anything exposed was, I mean, my eyes were frozen, shut water, in, <laughs> you know, finally these deer are just working towards me, working towards me. And I got like a 10 yard shot. It's just too thick anywhere else. And I'm holding, you got, I'm holding my bow and I'm holding my bow for 10 minutes. My, fi- I ended up frostbite on my end of my fingertips there for a while. I held on to that for about three weeks. But anyway, so the moment of truth, right? Here's the big doe and she's walking in the opening and I go to pull my bow back and I get my bow all the way back, fully back. And my arrow is frozen to my riser 
and my uh, my rest, I got a you know a, a drop away rest, and all of a sudden it went pings it comes off and my arrow jumps up like 12 inches and twang 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 and every deer of course is just like and i get my reach my finger you know to put it back on the rest and it, it took one more you know they hung up forever so here i'm holding again that's mo i just it always <laughs> happens to me you know but uh it finally walked through in just 10 yards and just right where i wanted it to you know wham like this crack you know and uh I, again, I didn't know where Ben was, but this deer had run off, you know, and it's really starting to snow. And uh, so I grabbed my phone, you know, I'm texting. I just whacked one, you know, and Ben texts me back. And then all of a sudden I hear just, a, you know, a human whistle, you know. And I, I'm like, what is he whistling at me for? So I go back and I hear whack. And I looked over. Cause he was whistling at a deer to stop, right? I had no idea he was that close. And uh I, I the deer looks over where he's at. I'm like, sweet. So I, I stopped his deer because it looked at me because I whistle, and then I hear whack, and I see this deer just, you know, it's hit, and it's running. And Ben's like, I don't know if I hit him, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you hit him. It's, you know, I, I got one down too, but um, it snowed so bad, and I said, Ben, we got to get down. I mean, there's there's going to be no blood. The tracks, it was snowing that bad that the track, it was a big storm coming in from Lake Michigan. I think that's why the deer were moving so much right before. But, um, so we get down and we say, okay, let's look for mine first. And I mean, it was 10 yard shot and, uh, you know, my, my arrow was buried in the snow, no blood. And there's just, it's cow pass out there. Cause there had to been 20, 30 deer milling around there that <laughs> night. I don't know what there was before. No blood, no blood anywhere. And we walked maybe, I knew where the deer went and I heard it break and stuff. And I figured, man, it's a hundred yards down there. I drilled it double lunged, I'm sure. And, uh, we got down, it's dark, you know, we got our flashlights and I stop and I say, man, we're just going to have to come back in the morning. We can see something. And, uh, right there when I said that I was standing there and I turned my headlamp back on and had about a six inch diameter tree right next to me. And it was just about, you know, up to my waist high. It was just sprayed with blood. I said, look at all that blood, you know, we're on it at least that's, but there was no tracks. It was just that covered up that much. So I said, let's just go back. Let's go look for your deer. Same story. You know, he's still not real convinced, you know, did I hit it good? And I'm like, you hit it good. I mean, that deer was out of there and I, <laughs> you could hardly see. That's why I was snowing I so bad, sure, but know. same deal. He knew, I knew more where his deer went than he did because it got real thick on him, but it kind of was angling away from me. So I said, I know it's in that direction. So, you know, here we are again, ethical, good hunter. We're going to, we killed these deer. We're going to go get these deer, but we, we tried for maybe three hours and it was just blowing nasty and it was just a needle in a haystack. So we ended up going back the next day um in the in the daylight and i mean by that time it there was a foot over the snow that what we when we left before but i went right to the tree that had blood on mine and ben kind of went over to where his went into the swamp and uh so he's out in the swamp and and i'm whistling every now and again just to make sure i got because again i've never been he to this property yeah. and i don't want to go on the neighbor's property anything like that but so I'm just kind of staying, I'm, I'm in the swamp and I'm just standing there for a second, just going, man, this deer could be anywhere. And I mean, all of a sudden there was a dead cedar, dead fall, 20 yards from me, up jumps this buck, this, this one we're looking at on the table now. This buck jumps up, makes one bound, boom, his left side comes off, another bound, his right side comes off. 
And I'm like, well, that was pretty. I've never seen that in my life, you know. So <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what's going on? So I go over to get his antler, and I pick one of his antlers up, and I'm looking at it like this, and I look out in front of me. There's my doe, dead. I'm like, sweet, okay. Well, he was he couldn't have been laying 60 yards from her, you know. So there's my doe over there, and I whistle at Ben, and, he, and he's like, hey, I found found my deer, but I got some bad news, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, what's happening? Well. I should step back. My deer over there, I said, man, he's got something something on the rear end, you know. It's, I didn't know quite what was going on. And he come over, he, he sent me a picture, you know, and uh, his deer was just down Skeleton. to the bones. Skeleton. Coyotes. And coyotes. Just from overnight. to the Couldn't even really reckon. It looked like a roadkill that's been there for two years, you know, just bone. And I'm like. left in the head. That was it. Hmm. <laughs> And uh, so, man, that that stinks, you know. I mean, to do that and you harvest an animal and then, you know, I guess the coyotes are eating, but, you know, you go out there to hunt, fill your freezer, that happens. And uh, so we went up to mine, and I don't know if we just just got the coyotes off my deer or not, but the, the rear end, just just to where they got the hide off it and maybe took a couple chunks of – chunks of my good meat there but they didn't they didn't tear it up but i gotta believe another hour they probably had heard us coming or whatever and and, and got out of there because i saw the tracks but it, i i salvaged 90 percent of the deer so that was good but so it was it was really funny because you know i took one of the antlers and when i'm taking a couple pitch ben's taking a couple pitch, he's like grab that antler put it on there you know and i put it on there you know of course it goes on facebook and a couple guys like man that that buck's got a long face, you know. I've never. <laughs> wow, that's got a long. I'm thinking no, and I immediately had to because I felt well, well. Now I'm not gonna just try to pretend that you know I'm shooting a buck, but I said no, no, no. It's a doe. We're just clowning around. But uh, what I thought was totally amazing about this buck is there was no tracks into that blowdown where it was laying, and those coyotes were eating my deer, and starting to eat his deer, and that this buck never moved. Never moved. And Ben, Ben said it wasn't a, a track in the snow until we jumped it. Kind of Ben enticing me to go hunting. Not, not that I wouldn't just take the opportunity to hunt with him, but it was cold, man. And I'm like, God dang, my season's over with. I but, kept telling him, you'd be all right, buddy. But he sent me a picture of this buck, this I, buck I on, on his. He's like, man, there's stuff like this walking around. I'm like, oh, that'd be pretty sweet to, you know, second season. I mean, it, I doubt I would ever even see him. But as soon as Ben saw the rack, he's like, man, he said, that's that eight point I sent you a picture of. I pull my phone up, zoom it in, and I'm like, absolutely, that's that." So Adam gave me one side since I had it on camera. <laughs> yeah, so that's it, you know. <laughs> so you got, but, you got the whole rack. <laughs> yeah, but can you imagine this one next year? Oh, yeah. I mean, no. he's going to be still alive. That's going to be great yeah, that's, next year. Yeah. yeah, that's got some mass. Well, that was going to be my question is like, so coyotes are eating deer over here. Coyotes are eating your deer. 60 yards away and that buck is just bucks hung up and i don't know if he they was were scared at that point or boy i just blow down yeah it really you know we thought i thought I've, I've laid my head down at night and thought about this story a hundred times at least and that amazes they hold me tight, i guess those smart ones you're like well they're chewing on them i'm just gonna stay right here and watch right he had <laughs> to watch you it did me oh yeah you would think you'd sneak at least try to sneak out to, you know? to some degree though but it, but realistically the more I now I was talking about uh, this with my brother today because my parents have a have, we have, they I grew up on five acres so on the back side of that there is a, a creek and there's a little ridge like an oak ridge that goes down into that and so we've talked about it on the podcast we talked to Zach um, if you listen to the Deer Hunter podcast those guys I I I'd love to 
get into talking to Dan Infault or the hunting bee style of, of hunting, but they do such a good job of it. It'd just be kind of like redundant. I can just tell you to go there. Yeah, I didn't even know you knew Dan. I know Dan good. That That's who actually got me hooked up with the Minnesota hunting, Bear. Okay. Dan. Yeah. And I've hunted with Dan in Minnesota too. Yeah. So, Wisconsin. So that style of hunting, right, he will outline like this is where deer should be. And so I walked out there I hunted out at my parents' house. There's always a good buck. We always have one on trail camera. You never see him. Mm-hmm. And what's the deal? Well, if you go over that ridge, overlooking that creek, there's a little cutout and there's a blowdown. And I'm like, this is where there should be a buck bed. Well, there's a buck bed right there and there's rubs all around it. Yep. They're not big rubs. And my brother was asking me today when we were out there, he says, you know, is that the big buck in the area or whatever. And I said, you know, I don't have any idea, but all I know is that these guys have said, this is where there will be a buck bed. Right. And so I walked exactly to the spot where there should have been a buck bed. And there was one I was hunting with, or actually on the trout opener, I was fishing with Frank's son, Chris, we went out, (laughs) we were down in Cedar Creek in the nastiest place that I've ever been like tried to walk through in my life off of the motorsports trail just up here. Yeah, yeah. Walked through this nasty tangle, ended up finding a cigar-shaped island in the middle of Cedar Creek. And Chris is, you know, he's all about trout fishing. I'm like, I walked to the end of this island, and there's a busted-off tree. There's yep. rubs. Yep. There's a bed with hair in it. That's where it's supposed to be. Like, I don't know that it's... The biggest buck buck. in the area. Right. But it's exactly where it's supposed to be. And so to that point, I mean, you've got this blowdown. If you were to probably dissect that, you've got whatever way the wind direction was, it was blowing, you know, over his back. Yeah. And he was looking out to what he could see. And he could probably see those coyotes. Yep. Oh, yeah. And he knew, like, what was going on. And so that was exactly what i was thinking of what did that all take place at the same time yeah and that's that's wild but yeah should that buck have been there that blow down whatever it just leads me to believe that when you're talking about hunting mature whitetail or mature deer this place there's tons of hunters around this yeah because this is a three-year-old buck i mean it's you right. know the 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 one and a half and two and a half year olds is it was after Christmas, so there's only like two days of season left. Yeah, he's probably still alive. Um, but yeah, it was that whole puzzle came together when I was standing out there and like, you know, and you learn stuff all the time, right? But but now the thing is, is like to go back to that exact same blowdown and look for hair and look for because that might be yep. the spot. spot. I mean, there's a spot in 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 uh, on our property where. The whole thing, like, finally came to fruition for the whole hunting beast style hunting. It's like, I jumped a huge deer out of there. I walked over this blowdown, and it was picture perfect. And I was like, holy fuck, how would you ever kill this deer? <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. and that was, I mean, and, but that's what they said. They, yep. they said, you know, the their mantra is like, you'll, you'll know it's a spot when you say, how would I ever kill this deer? Yeah. And. And we've killed deer right from there, just coming off of this little island. Uh, Chris and I walked back through there. I walked in there in the morning. I walked out. We stopped and looked at the spot. 
there was coyote tracks. There was deer tracks. Yep. We went in and ate lunch. Came back two hours later, and there's two inch and a half uh, trees three feet apart that are rubbed three feet up and down. And it's not 60 yards from that spot. Wow. And and so, you know, putting it all together is like, you know, and so that's why I was wondering, you know, in that instance, you know, that deer knew exactly the area. Oh, exactly yeah. Exactly everything. Yeah, all the on. exit routes it needed to be, you know. That's the other thing when you talk buck beds and stuff. And it, it's, yeah, I didn't know the connection there with Dan, but I, I learned so much from that guy. You want to talk about a guy that, you know, public public land. And I've been to his house, and I've seen his racks and, 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 and seen some of the stuff that he's harvested, and it's just unbelievable um, how he does that. Um, and, again, and Dan – Dan was the guy I've been on hunts with him in, in Illinois, um, whitetail hunting and the wind, he, he's not a scent control guy. He's not. And I mean, the guy was getting out in a, in a one piece jumpsuit that you were, you know, maybe changing the oil in your car on <laughs> and we're in, you know, That's we're hunting, hunt. we're hunting 160, <laughs> 170 inch whitetail bucks. And you know, the guy's dropping him off, you know, and then going up and dropping me off and. I'm like, man, he. I hope the wind's good for him because I can smell him in the truck, you know. But <laughs> but the the reputation speaks for itself. The guy can kill big bucks, you know. But right. again, that's playing the wind. You're not going to trick a nose, but I, you know, not that I'm recommending go out and do that, right? I want every single advantage I can get. But right. that's just what that's he was where, doing. Like we've talked about before. Like I've got an old Scentlock suit that I, I mean, I've had it for ten years. Yeah. But I do the same thing. Like my tote. I have like my scent wafers in there. I use the, you know, the scent free soap and I wash all my gear with baking soda, stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, cause every little bit helps. I mean, that wind's going to swirl. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you can play the wind, yep. but it's always going to change. You get in a bowl where it's swirling around and thermals and the mo- thermals. You know, yeah. And so you can, you got to play the wind, but you also, I mean, every little advantage every little helps. Bit. That so, process you go through. Right? right. So if you're going out there, you know, smelling like pig pen, well, that's just more scent in the air that that deer's, yep. you know. Yep. But yeah, I mean, there's there's no denying like that that guy has got a whole nother. It's a like, whole different dimension. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he. Yeah. I, he, he's he's taking it one one step further, yep. ten steps further, you know. But um, so with you guys now, like where you're at now, like what's the next step with Death by? You guys are starting to do some films of your hunts. Um, we have a ton on film. We have to put it together. Yeah, I mean, it's again, we, for me, being in the 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 atmosphere and getting to do things like this, and still, I mean, that's what we love to do. You know, Ben and I talk, and you know, I I'd love for this thing to go to be a, a a brand name. You know, that you see on Scentlock or it's in Cabela's or it's a it's a damn cool logo i love that it's part of point, it mm-hmm. right, um, right. yeah there's yeah. no denying what it what what you're doing <laughs> right so you got that you know what that means uh yeah we're selling little things here and there um but uh, you know next steps i mean we want to try to to get this stuff marketed out more and more just because it's cool i mean people wear that i've seen this out of state you know bumpers on the back of cars death by archery you know like wow just to kind of leave a footprint you know, we, we don't know do. how long we'll be here, but, you know, um, I hope that 
when we're not when we're gone, you know, death by archery will be something where yeah, those guys loved to hunt animals and what God gave us out here to 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 take and to eat and feed our families and take our kids out and have those adrenaline pumps and dad stop shaking moments. <laughs> That's what it's about to me. Hopefully you know? the shaking moments never stop. Right. Yeah. Then you're doing it wrong. But yeah. so where can they find you? Where where can everybody Death find you? Archery.com. You guys are on Facebook, Instagram. Facebook, Instagram. He's got a ramp YouTube. up to Instagram. Yeah, I'm starting to we're going that will be one of my things is to kind of get into the social media a little bit more. Ben doesn't doesn't like that part of it. Um and I I I I know enough to be dangerous on it. So, you know, Mark, we would just want to get it out there, you know. When we go to these local markets and sell, we all, we always do good because as soon as somebody sees it and they got any passion at all about hunting, they look at that. It's easy. I mean, I remember the first time I saw it, I said, "Ben, that is badass. I gotta have one. I gotta ha- I gotta put a sticker on my car. Right. You know, I gotta put a uh, sticker on my bow case. I gotta wear the hat. You know, and it's just I look at it and that's that's what it's about for me. You know." Yeah, you guys um, brought some gear over for us. I'm going to end up – I just got my stuff in from Knock-On, my arrow wraps and stuff, but I think I'm going to end up using the arrow wraps yeah, that you yeah. guys brought over. Put so. some blood on those death by white wraps there. That's awesome. Yeah, so definitely going to be building up those. We'll get you guys anything you need. Well, definitely we need to do this again. We'll definitely get, yeah. have you guys have back. We have lots of stories. And I will, <laughs> I'm going to put something together for a, a giveaway on uh, our Facebook and our Instagram um so look forward to that but i'll probably do something uh we'll probably do a collaboration with them with uh we just had some shirts done so we'll give away one of our shirts uh maybe a death by hat and uh some decals and uh we will definitely get that um out to you guys here uh, probably from the total archery challenge so we got a lot of stuff coming up at the total archery challenge we're gonna have some stuff to give away up there as well so um definitely look for us up there in the collaboration with death by coming up here in the future but really thank you guys so much for coming on here Um, it's been great and we'll definitely do this again a lot of fun so (laughs) yeah you guys had a little bit of trepidation in the beginning but like i said it's a drink of beer and telling hunting story (laughs) doesn't get any better than that that's what it's all about so thanks a lot guys thank you Sit down.